0: Greetings and salutations and welcome to season two, episode seven of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast, proudly brought to you by Tim Hortons this morning from the Toronto studio, live in North York, Ontario, Canada. I am one of your hosts, Nick Costew. Along with the pal to my right, Kyle Nice. Kyle, how are you doing this fine, oddly done Sunday morning?
1: Yeah, you know what? I think uh, I'm doing well. Got a nice coffee in my hand and my nice Yeti mug. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we owe the fans and the worldwide Rink Moose listeners. It's easy. been a while, hasn't it? It has, Yeah. <laughs> We owe you guys an apology and an explanation. So (laughs) last time we got together for an episode was just over a month ago. Inexcusable, I know. Um, But you know what? We got caught up so much in the world junior drama. And then uh, after that was done, we're like, you know what? There's this top prospects game. We want to go to that. So why not just hold out so that we can add everything into one show? So we're like, okay, yeah, the, I'm sure the, the, the gracious Rink Moose viewers won't mind. So here we are. It's a it's a rare uh, setup here today. Instead of doing it with the evening in a beer with a beer in our hands, we have mm-hmm. a, we've replaced it with a coffee. Yeah. So it's probably going to be a more laid back, chill Sunday morning, rainy ass vibe <laughs> um, Rink Moose show today. So uh, we're going to give you a lot of junior content today. Not gonna lie, most of it was uh, was like draft eligible guy focused, and uh, of course, there's been tons going on in the NHL as well. So we'll kind of have a bit of uh, everything at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean we we got things going here at 7:30 in the morning, so maybe not as heated takes today, but definitely informative, <coughs> given the uh, the prospect situation going on. So uh, without further ado, I th- I think we start off. Uh, Chronologically here, it just makes the most sense. I think Mm. we just start with the World Juniors observations, um, general and specific teams, players, you name it. Mm. Um, Kyle, what did you make
1: of the World Junior Hockey Championships 2020? I think this was my favorite World Juniors overall. For a very long time. Wow. Maybe maybe in the last 10 years. Because mm-hmm. as you know, I was there right from the beginning, right from camp. I was invested in all the guys. I followed every little bit of content that TSN could pump out for this this tournament. And, you know, what every game I watched, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I saw guys grow from camp where I was like, this team might be in trouble. You know, we watched them against Finland and I said, where's uh, where's the offense? Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, I didn't watch that that Russia game where we got Pumped! I was at work. That was like the only game I really missed, and uh, and so every every <clears> game I did watch, this team looked uh, almost without a flaw. So I was uh, I had a great time. I think my the first thing I want to touch on, the first player I want to touch on is Barrett Hayton. So this guy had a, a hell of a roller coaster tournament, probably more eventful than any we've had in the last few years. In fact, first the helmet thing. <laughs> so. I've always known this guy as just a, a good character guy, quiet, you know, does his work. Mr. Dum. Uh, Dumb. Dumb. Mi- no, I, I don't know. That's a new thing, actually. That's a new thing. He, he kind of has this dopey look to him. And uh, and the helmet thing transpires after the the blowout Russia game. So Barrett Hayden leaves his helmet on during the Russian national anthem, which is, it, it's uh, it's ironic because it's a classic Russian move. Mm-hmm. As you know, a couple of years ago, they walked out on the Canadian National Anthem.
0: Or throwing the medal into the stands. Throwing the medal.
1: So this was like, I don't know I don't, I don't know if I like this guy. He says it was a mistake. He says he forgot. But how many times has he done buy. this? How do you, how do you, how do you yeah. forget to take your helmet off when all the, the 20 other guys have done it? Yeah, and you've done this a million times. There's no way you forgot. You were upset and you were just bitter and salty. So I, I was like, I don't know about this guy. And then, you know, he continues to have a great tournament, and then we have the injury. He goes down hard, I think, in the uh, in the semis there, and uh, and we're all thinking, well, oh, this guy's done. We've got, we've got probably a shoulder separation. Uh, we're having Lafreniere flashbacks, and then uh, he makes it out to the finals. And, and you know what? In the, in the warm-ups, he was gingerly shooting. We're like, okay, he's going to play, but he can't shoot, probably can't battle along the boards. And we saw that a little bit, the, the beginning portion of the game, especially in the first, he was hesitant to make contact. He had an amazing game, unbelievable game. He scored the tying goal, which was a laser shot from the right circle. That was my favorite goal of 2019,
0: mm-hmm. of, of the entire year
1: 2019. That. I know it was in 2020, but that got me right out of my seat. I was at Real Sports yeah. Bar and Grill. The place erupted. I was lifting people in the air. It was it was fantastic. That was my favorite goal, and uh, the fact that he came back, he probably got shot up and all that kind of stuff. He is uh, he was worthy of the sea on his jersey, even though earlier in the tournament, I uh, I might have wanted to strip it from him. So, so I, I got to tip my hat to this guy.
0: So if I may interject briefly, that moment, that shot in your head, of him lifting, Lifting his arms, trying oh. trying to celebrate, but his shoulder hurts so much. You can almost tell it's painful. To, or he's using all the strength left in his will to raise his arms to cheer in some manner. Does that? Where does that image stand in the World Junior pantheon of, of moments?
1: Easily top five. If I thought more about it, you might have a conversation for top three. Like mm-hmm. that. That look on his face. Yeah. It, it would bring back emotion. I think for the for the years to come. Yeah. And then just knowing because I. You kind of knew, you felt that we deserved goals in that mm-hmm. game, and he finally delivered that tying goal. And then you just, at that point, you knew, okay, I think we have this. And it was, and the it was way, so fucking special. the way special. he ripped
0: that shot almost looked like he put all of his will into it. Like he yeah. put his full body into that shot and yeah. just wristed it right into the top corner, the perfect spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I was more, yeah, I mean, I was more just shocked. Like I, I thought the Russians had it at 3-1. Um, and then, obviously, there's the turnaround goal shortly thereafter, which I think is just as important as the Hayden goal, to be honest. Because mm. if that doesn't happen, then maybe they don't have the same fire. Yeah. I mean, the one image in my mind is when they go down 3-1, you can see laughs on the ice for the goal against. And you see his reaction, and, and, he, and he's pissed. He's furious. I'd never seen him like that. Mm. And at that point, I said, this game's over. But wow. the, the <laughs> quick goal... Uh, I th- believe it was McMichael. It was like off a skate <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, the weird one. Yeah. That, that, that turned the game in my mind. That was the TSN turning point, And then the power play, of course, with Hayden. So mm-hmm. what happened after that, Kyle?
1: After that, are you talking about the penalty drama? Well, there was another goal scored. Oh, right. The, uh, the Akeel. It's oh been a boy. <laughs> It's
0: been a while, hasn't it? Yeah,
1: well... <laughs> We'll get into the penalty stuff later, but uh, did this guy ever fucking deserve this? Because he had a couple of really warrior-type shifts, some mm-hmm. some amazing blocks. some c- c- The kind of blocks where I run out and buy his jersey, like I did right. for Jonathan Taves in 2014. Um, really, really great kid. He had sheltered minutes all tournament, mm-hmm. and he just turns on the jets, does a little toe and tucks it in on the backhand while falling. It was... It was a sight to That takes to a behold. lot of skill. Not a lot of yeah. time and space there. At, at full clip, mm-hmm. too? Like, yeah, he was. <laughs> the goalie's at, yeah. probably seeing a f- like a deer in the headlights. That yeah. must have been terrifying.
0: It was It was as if everyone had been playing hard that whole third period. And this guy, it was like his first shift of the period. Yeah. And he just happened to have way more energy than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And just uh, full marks to Hunter for getting him out there. Yeah. Utilizing him. And that image of Raph Lavoie, he's the first guy to come over to him because Raph Lavoie is in front of the net. He tries to hug Akil, and Akil just moves away and tr- <laughs> he shuffles into the corner. Yeah. <laughs> no, lo- no love for Raph
1: Lavoie. Oh, uh, we all wanted Raph to have a fucking breakout moment, but <laughs> it's still worth I don't still know if waiting. he registered a point. We're still waiting. I think he did. He must okay. have had a phantom assist okay, that they just assist. gave him out <laughs> of pity. He'll take it. But Yeah, Akil, man. Like, no one. Uh, Heart scarcely does someone deserve it more than this guy really good kid. Uh, has, he's paid his dues he's, he's, he's actually he was 20 at the time. So he he was the probably the oldest player in the tournament and uh, man he's he's feeling the love back home. He saw some of those reactions from his uh, his fans and his, his friends. So yeah, good for him. it's it's fun
0: seeing him just by himself in November like just an odd night in November playing in Kingston. Think you know? Thinking is a good player, but not that he's going to be the
1: hero of this year's World Juniors. Right,
0: and then he ends up being the hero. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's one of those like this tournament can can have those Tyler Steenbergen stories where uh, a, a player can just be a hero with just that one goal, mm-hmm. which is which is fantastic. Quickly back on Barrett Hayden. But which, but which one sticks in your mind of the two moments? Like what oh, one moment the, the Hayton, Hayton goal. Moment. Sure. you
0: that moment you'll when you think twenty twenty
1: World Juniors, that's the goal you think of. Over you the of over Akil the Thomas, Thomas, correct. Okay. Yeah, it just is. Okay. Uh, for me that was wh- that yeah. was kind of when we won the game, and, and yeah. th- Thomas was just the uh the decisive yeah. jab, yeah. the decisive blow. Okay. But quickly, Lafreniere did get uh player of the four of the Tournament, mm-hmm. player of the tournament for Canada. I do believe it should have been Hayton. Hmm. And I and you know I'm a huge Lafreniere fan. Even though I mean, yeah, how many many games did Hayden miss? None? Uh, None. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I just thought, like, he was, I mean, the finals did it for me. He Mm -hmm. was super clutch when he needed. Laugh was good in the finals, but uh, he wasn't that go-to. He wasn't the game-breaker. No, exactly, exactly. And I think they were close heading into that game, and I think that was just the thing that did it. But one more quick thing on a player who really got me super excited was Dylan Cousins. Uh, I think we had some moments the together. The workman
0: from Whitehorse.
1: Exactly. We we had some moments watching together where we, were, we looked at each other. We were like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. that is scary." So mm-hmm. there there's a spark to this kid when when he is like confident and he's on his on his horse. Mm-hmm. He could actually he could be a scary scary powerful guy. Yeah. He, he's just a beast of, and you know what? He he's got some filling out to do. You look at his he's got a small frame to him to him, but uh, he got immensely better as the tournament went on. I didn't like his camp. I didn't like him too much earlier in the tournament, but in, in the the latter games, boy, this guy was a top three he, player on the team. He
0: had the best acceleration on the team. In terms of just going from standstill to skating, he, he's the, he was the best player on the team, in my mind. He was, best acceleration.
1: He looked like I wanted Byfield to look like, mm-hmm. you know? For he he kind of fit the bill that everyone says what byfield should be, like this guy who can skate really well, uses size and still has the hands but yeah. and uh yeah, you you want to get to byfield now then actually, you know what late we'll get to him I, I got I plan for him. Keep later. going with your pros yeah, so obviously let let's do uh let's do Lafreniere <clears throat> let me ask you this mm. when was the last time we've seen a draft eligible player? This dominant in the world juniors. I mean, I wouldn't know because I I I, in the past I haven't really kept track of who's draft eligible, who's not. Let me give you some some numbers. Okay. So McDavid in his draft year, eight points in seven games. Matthews isn't in his draft year, eleven points in seven games. Eichel, four points in five games. Nico Heischer, seven in five. Probably Taylor Hall with 12 points and six is the only player of those of those guys to match Mm -hmm. Lafreniere's two points a game. He had 10 points in five games.
0: I yeah, I don't remember because a lot of those are I mean, they're pretty ways back if you ask me. But the McDavid, I remember pretty well. I remember McDavid was good. I just remember the team around him being very deep. And so he didn't need to be the best. Right. You know, I remember the Domi Duclair line was kind of yep. the star of, of that of that show, and uh, and to me, if this team didn't have laugh. I mean, they would have struggled. I mean, you had that second line, Cousins, and it did his part. But the fact Byfield didn't show up, which we'll get to shortly, the fact Dudas was used more of like a checking line with Delandria mm-hmm. and Akil and Thomas for most of the tournament. I mean, for the most part, this was a two-line offensive power like, juggernaut mm-hmm. and then two checking lines to keep the other team in check. And it worked great, but uh, the point is, if you don't have laugh. Then, uh, then you might struggle a little bit. And, and I guess we saw that when he got injured temporarily.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's totally fair to say that uh, all, I'd say most of the offense, when it was structured and drawn out, ran through laugh the On power the power play, play yeah. 100% ran through. He had yeah. the puck on his stick more than any other player on, yeah. on this team. Um, my point there was since 2010, I mean, this guy could be excellent. This guy yeah. could be better than I ever... He he, he had a performance. I, I never thought he could be this good in this tournament. I mm-hmm. thought he'd have a, a pretty decent tournament, mm-hmm. but I didn't think he'd be this good. So needless to say, before we even get into Byfield, the one-two talks have ceased. Yep. They're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're they're put to bed. There There's some credible guys out there who I will not name for their sake who uh, who actually had Byfield ahead of Laugh mm-hmm. pre-tournament. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, those guys have changed it's, their it's, minds. A it's bit. now back to the McDavid draft.
0: That's the yeah. feeling I have. It's who's yeah. where. Who's going to get the number one lottery ball? Who's going to get the number one pick? That's all that's relevant. Mm-hmm. And then and then the consolation. It's like it's like Eichel. Eichel was never going to be better than McDavid, but he was a solid consolation prize. Yeah. Whereas in this case, whoever's going to is a solid consolation prize, but he's
1: well behind this number one pick, which is the one you want. <sighs> yes um Drysdale. Drysdale. Drysdale had a you know what since he had a, a, a sheltered role every time he was out there, I thought he looked great. I thought he looked fine. In the semifinals yeah. when uh, Bowen Byram happened to be the sick, the hell is that all of yeah <laughs> like, came out of nowhere kind of weird. but when Drysdale took his spot, Mm-hmm. He was legitimately one of the mm-hmm. best defensemen on the team. He
0: must have played twenty minutes that game.
1: And and we've already talked about how rare it is for a draft eligible D to make Team mm-hmm. Canada, and he shined he in that impact, game. Yeah. And I was like, this guy's this guy is is going to be a steal mm-hmm. in the top five. Mm-hmm. Like he showed me so much. His skating is incredible. He's a bit small. You saw him Harry. at the top prospects game. He's a slight man. Yeah. I don't know what his height and weight are but this is a little boy we're talking he is. about. He
0: is Quinn he's, Hughes. He's, Quinn not,
1: Hughes. Uh, he's not he's not going to make the NHL next year. I think that's that's safe. That's that's a good He needs another year to yeah. grow, you know. Uh, but absolute slam dunk for me in in the top 5 this guy. Can't go wrong. I think we've got uh, a guy who skates better than than Byram did in his draft year. Perhaps not quite the top end of uh, of Makar, but uh, he's in that echelon. Which is like, how could you not? He, want yeah, that I kind mean, of I,
0: from what I, from what I recall, Pierce saying the clip I showed you is he doesn't have the first stride, of, of of like a Makar. he doesn't have the shot, but he's got the hockey sense. <clears throat> the hockey yep. sense is there, and when I saw him, and we'll get into this later in the show at the top prospects game. He he doesn't make mistakes. No, it's like he's he's from a young age. He just he's been it's been drilled into him which plays to make which not to make, and he really doesn't make a stupid play mm-hmm. despite the size. I I I almost wish I get a have a chance to watch Quinn Hughes play in Vancouver a little more than I do because I I feel like just the build is so similar. Yeah, and from what I hear, the play style must be pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Like I don't watch a lot of Quinn, but it seems like a pretty good comparison. I think so. Yeah. I think that'd be that'd be spot on. Right. He, Quinn doesn't rip up the puck. He doesn't no. like I, he doesn't have a shot, but he's always making great plays. He know he's an amazing skater. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Quinn Hughes.
1: Yeah. You want Quinn Hughes, you drop Jamie Drysdale. Yep. And he, and he when he does score, it's cuz he he's using his brain and his skill to get it to the net, which is I mean and he's a right-handed defenseman. Like what mm-hmm. what team doesn't want that? Yeah, I, I rare. could I could see him in a lot of different places going there. Um why don't we um Actually, why don't we talk about a little bit of negatives if you So no more
0: done with the positive shots? Oh, who do you got? Uh, uh, Aiden Dudas, I think, deserves a shutout. Yeah. I mean, he, he... Among the preseason games, he was the big standout. Yep. Because the skilled guys hadn't quite got their chemistry chemistry together. Mm-hmm. In the final, in the, he was huge. In that first period, he was blocking shots left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, just brought a lot of character. This was a guy... Kyle wasn't sure about his role going in. Kyle thought yeah. he may have been scratched. He may not even make the team. Um... And I didn't know. I didn't know the guy. I didn't know who he was alluding to. And then shortly thereafter, I watched the preseason games, and I was really impressed. I find out he's an LA King's fourth round pick, and I got very impressed. Uh, for me, the Kings prospects between him and then Thomas being the, the star at the end, that was just such a great thing to see. And then, of course, you know, we'll g- I guess we'll, we'll have a bit, bit of time for the other players in the tournament, like Fagamo, who led the league in scoring, or sorry, led the tournament in scoring. That was pretty impressive. Again, Kings prospect. So, um, yeah, I was very impressed with him. Yeah. Um, uh, Joel Hofer, good for him to step in. The goaltending was kind of in shambles at first. We didn't know who was going to take the reins. Kyle's guy, Nico Dawes, mm. dropped the ball. Well, that's <laughs> not his fault. Everyone was shit he against Russia. He dropped the ball.
1: Unlucky. Unlucky that he can't, he got shelled so against Russia. It'll be interesting
0: to see how that affects his draft status, him being the one goalie who was a draft eligible going into this tournament. He's been dropping. Um, he had, he had the car- yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> And he wasn't. He didn't even play at the game. He, didn't he must play. have had the he, flu.
1: His save percentage has plummeted, and he's injured. Yeah,
0: it's not a good look. And so his it's kind of trending in the wrong direction here. But ah. we like the guy. We like the character. We like we like the guy who used to be a chubster who just ate Smarties, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna give him some love. So um, yeah, it was nice to see Hofer step in. That's a lot easy. It that's a lot harder than it appears to be, like for a goalie just to come in midway and just to kind of assert himself, it's hard to get in a groove. And I thought there were key saves he made in the Russia game. Like, he wasn't the goalie who was peppered with 40 shots every game. Mm. He was the goalie who may have only had to save 18 of 20, you know, 19 of 22, but he made key saves at key times. And I, and I think any goalie for Team Canada ever needs to be good at just making key saves, mm-hmm. not not quantity
1: but just quality saves, and, yeah. and I think he did it very well. Yeah, well said. Um, we, we've got to tip our caps to the Hunters here for the Dudas thing. Right. The guy was injured. He didn't even have a tryout, but mm-hmm. they knew for a fact he would be a, a, uh, a role player that could really do his job well. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, did he do that. He was like that. He had Gallagher-type energy, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he brought a little bit of skill. He brought a little bit of everything. Him and Thomas... And I get, yeah, tip your hat to the Kings too. him and Thomas character through the roof, uh, work ethic, and they brought the Canadian game to this team. Uh, it was great to see and you need guys like that to win. So if if they end up being roster players for LA, which I think they have got a good chance and you look at LA's, like LA has the best prospect pool, likely, of, of any NHL team.
0: Well, they, they did the rank, all the pros on The Athletic did the ranking over the summer. And at that time, they were about fourth. And so yeah. they're just doing the re-rankings now. I have a yeah. feeling they're going to be higher. Yeah. Definitely top
1: three. Yeah. And then that's arguable. We had some of their guys like Turcotte, who didn't have a great tournament. Actually, the Americans were kind of a fucking mess the whole time mm-hmm. anyways. Mostly because of that whole uh, TikTok drama. I think, but uh, mm. yeah, what what a horrible tournament for Cole Caulfield. I, that that was funny. It had the Montreal fans with all uh, all their panties up in a bunch. That was that was hilarious to yeah. follow, and uh, just disappointing from them. But one more guy we should talk mm-hmm. about, and it's a good transition player because we saw him both in the top prospects game and the World Juniors. Quinton Byfield.
0: Oh, hold on, you're getting to negatives. <laughs> yes. One more positive. You mentioned coaching staff. Yeah. I think this this tournament cements... you got to stop the criticism with Mark Hunter. I think he made key coaching m- moves. Like just putting on Akil Thomas out of nowhere. Yeah. That's all him. Yeah. I mean, like like little, little things like that. Making in-game adjustments. I, I just love seeing that. I don't like the coach who just stands pat, crosses his fingers and hopes <laughs> things click. This guy saw something. Yeah. Quickly made the moves and, and adjusted. And I love seeing that. And then, of course... Have to give a shout out to my MVP, Andre Turigny. Oh, the man who caught the puck. Oh, how did we forget this? How did yeah, I forget in this the, in the USA Canada game? Because it was the first game of the tournament at this point, it's right, like right. a month ago. Yeah, and, and and anyways, it was it was a moment I'd never seen in sports and in, in the game of hockey where. Yeah. It was, the the team the team can't, I mean what was it team Canada flicks the puck out of their zone instead of it going into the stands and being a penalty, the assistant coach reaches out his arm, catches the puck and shows the referees listen, I have the puck. you can't call a penalty because it's in the bench. It was a beautiful <laughs> oh, oh, oh. moment. I'd never seen anything like it and personally it was probably my moment of the tournament I'm going to remember that Wow. I'm going to yeah. remember the goals. I'm going to remember Akil and Barrett Hayden, but I'm not going to forget that. That's yeah. such a unique circumstance, and it changed the game. If, if USA gets the pe- penalty or Canada gets the penalty, it's a one-goal game, US might tie it up. Yeah. And if the US win that game, how does that change their trajectory? Oh, right. Yeah, big time. That changes everything. Canada doesn't finish first in their group. Canada has to play a tougher opponent without mm-hmm. Alexi Lafreniere. Are they even in the finals?
1: I don't know. And we'd be remiss to not mention the TSN camera thing, the debacle there with uh, <laughs> the Canadians in a similar way, icing or sorry, uh, clearing the puck out of the zone, hitting the TSN camera shipped from all, all the way in uh, Toronto, mm-hmm. from Scarborough, Ontario, and uh, and not having a penalty for it. Now, they went back in the rule book and people were up in arms about mm-hmm. this. The initial thought was, for sure, oh, obviously a penalty. You can't just, right. the camera's not in play, but... There is a little tidbit in the rule book where anything structural attached mm-hmm. to the glass is actually in play. Yeah. So it was, it was a crazy moment. The refs made... It's still debatable, but I think they made the no, right call yeah. looking at that rule book. You're right. Like and the- that being the case, what a fucking crazy circumstance. Like
0: the, the dum-dums like Ferraro was like... That should have been a penalty. <laughs> no. That's unacceptable. I know. But, the, but then Gord Miller's the more eloquent, well-spoken guys were like, well, actually, there's this rule thing in the rule book <laughs> that has there's a structural adjustment thing. And Classic. I was like, oh, there you go. Classic. And, and so Gord got a nail on the head. And apparently the the refs went right by the rule book. So kudos to them. And uh, I'm glad they they got the call right. It was a yeah. bit of a delay, but I think they made the right call. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that as a Canadian. I'm just a, by the you got to you got to play by the rules. You got to be a, like an umpire. You got to you got to call it as it is. And in that case, I think the refs did a good job.
1: Yeah. Any more positives for you for the I think I'm done. Okay. <clears throat> On to negatives. The fun part. On to negatives. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have too many negatives. First thing I want to just quickly glance over, the refereeing was a little bit of a fucking mess for, mm. this, for this tournament, especially in the finals. Don't want to get too much into and, that. And the worst part of it, any penalty that was called, you had to listen to that oh, duck music fine,
0: no. from the cartoons. So,
1: <laughs> I love that music. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> so not only do you have so many penalties, but you have to listen to that shite every fucking I love time. those
0: checks. They, their sense of humor is
1: fantastic. They're all drunk and and dancing to the pedal. Oh, it's so good!
0: (laughs) And as a player, you must be just infuriated. Ray Ray was infuriated. Yeah, Ray was. Ray was like, "Oh God, I hate that song." (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: it was good. It was
1: good. Oh, okay. Let's. Why don't we talk about Quinton Byfield? Yes. I thought he was great at the World Junior Camp. Uh, But slowly, but surely, as the game started to speed up, Mm -hmm. it got too fast for his little brain. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, guys. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. The game got a little fast for him. There were moments here and there where he'd use his physical tools to to show a flash of of dominance. But his brain was simply not up to speed. Nick, it wasn't up to speed, okay? So and as the uh, on, as the big games went on, we kept look we kept shaking our heads like, what's this guy doing? And and yes, guys, <clears throat> Nathan McKinnon was using a similar role mm-hmm. when he was draft eligible, and that was that. And he was similarly young as well. We know Quentin Byfield is seventeen, but he was similarly young, and uh, and he didn't look this. Uh, <clears throat> how do I say this? <laughs> Immature. Like, Immature, yeah, especially from the mental side of things, uh, and then in, in the top prospects game, yeah, we saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when the pace went mm-hmm. up, he looked outmatched. Mm-hmm. He definitely didn't look like a slam yeah. dunk stud. It just yeah. it just looked like, yes, this guy's got physical tools. He's got great movement. He's got great hands. He's got that spider aspect to him. But man, when it comes to making small, adept little plays in small areas, like Ray likes to mention. Mm-hmm uh we didn't see it we haven't seen it for the main games of the tournament we didn't see it at the top prospects game and then the next question which is uh the the uh the the goofy interviews the Mm. the character questions are um are certainly alive like that that's not i don't think that uh is nothing um all in all let me wrap this up to say there's an element of risk with this player that no one is mm-hmm. talking about. He
0: um, might he might be, I was just about to say, he might be the most interesting prospect. He the is the most absolutely. interesting.
1: Yeah. Like he he has now become a yeah. volatile rock. Yeah. You yeah. know, like uh this guy could yeah, 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 blow yeah. up in our face. I love it. I love it. Uh it, it it it's painful because no one no people were talking about Lafreniere being a more risky pick. They're like, oh is this guy just all flash in the pan? can't miss with byfield 6 foot 4 can move yeah. there's no missing <laughs> well fuck guys like i'm telling you no one talks about this but there is a risk with this guy mm-hmm. he he's he's kind of a goofy kid <laughs> i don't i don't want to give you guys examples but little things here and there and and when the game has gotten fast he has uh he has not been able to keep up so yeah. I'm, I'm i'm wondering if this is a guy who relies too heavily on his physical tools and his physical dominance.
0: But he does. But that, that's the sad thing. When I see him, I don't. When Like Masters would interview and be like, hey, what do you think of Laugh's physicality? And be like, oh, right. I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. And, and I can do it too. <laughs> and then the whole tournament. Yeah. And then he doesn't lay a hit the whole tournament. False promises. <laughs> that's what he gave me.
1: It's disappointing because you want him to be like, why can't he lay someone out? And we've seen him try. <laughs> we've seen him try and, and it, it, it hasn't worked out for him. And then he just goes back to being uh, being his old self, but you know what? Uh, it's hard to say it, but the more I watch him, the more I don't favor him as a guy I'd want. And this is supposed to be the top center of the draft. So guys like uh, Stutzel and Rossi, yeah, yeah. Um, all of a sudden they become a little bit more enticing in that in that range, yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's exciting, because it's definitely more of a
0: toss-up now for two. You see that in someone like Craig Button's rankings, his Craig List, where you've got, you know, now a tie for second, a, a Stutzel and a byfield. And, a, and, a and, and I, I think that's a good segue uh, just to get into into our international prospects, the guys who weren't necessarily on Team Canada who caught your eye. I for me, Tim Stutzel is definitely one of those guys. I mean, I, I watched that Germany game, and was captivated the entire time. Kyle, he, wasn't, he was on the road at the time, driving to Quebec, and I told him, you are going to have to watch this whole game in its entirety at some point just to watch this one player. The cider kid didn't stick out too much to me, and I think that's just the mold of the player that he is, a stable defenseman who stays put, does his job, makes the right plays. He's not an offensive dynamo, which, which everyone wants to see. But this Stutzel kid, the skill, the poise with the puck, the skating he's got it all i don't know much about his character being the international and everything but to me he's he 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 just he's he's right up there he, he's the prospect at this point i want to get to know the most mm. of any of these guys more mm. so give right. me more him um on Sweden, I, I didn't hear much about the, the, the Raymond and the Holtz stepping up and being good. It was, it, if anything, it was more talk about Sandine and Hoglander, mm-hmm. who are already drafted, who are already with their respective teams, Toronto and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, what other teams do we have? With Russia, uh, some guy, uh, the, that, uh, that defenseman, Zabolba, the Star Wars character, he's getting a lot of play. Who? Samolba. <laughs> you don't remember hearing that name? I maybe Zemulba like every time every time they pass it back to D yeah Gordon Miller would just be like Zabulba. and I think I remember that he's a Philly prospect he's getting a lot of play right there in the scouting community um Denisenko he's getting a lot of play Marchenko he's getting a lot of play all these Romanov had a great tournament and Habs fans are licking their chops right now yeah um, so r- there was a lot of love there in Russia for their players. Askarov was a big downer. <laughs> uh, that, we forgot about that, I, I think that, eh? yeah, him and Byfield have got to be the big downers there. Oh, yeah. Um, Askarov yeah. looked like he was just twitching the entire time. Mm-hmm. He, he, it was just a weird, weird, weird style that I didn't see from the Holinka Gretzky. I remember being so impressed then. Um, Now I just watch it and watched him, and I, I was I was really taken back by just how disappointed I was, so... Hopefully he can get his game back in check. Um and then other than that,
1: uh I think that's about everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Askarov looked a little scared out of his wits yeah. there.
0: And then of course uh I guess for F- was it Fin Fagamo's fin- finish? Yeah. Um so yeah, Fagamo led the league and uh led the tournament in scoring, so that was great to see him and uh uh
1: he, he had a lot of chemistry or was he on Sweden? Um, I think he was on Finland Finland, okay Yeah, yeah, yeah he was yeah. on Yeah, okay, yeah He was on Finland, yeah Yeah, yeah so I, he, I can't, can't quite remember But I think Finland
0: Because I, I remember him having Like chemistry with Sandine. I thought
1: Yeah Hmm.
0: He may have no, he may have been on Sweden. I think that's why Canada never saw him. Right. Right? So I know I,
1: there was a good score on Finland. I just Kupari. forget who it was. Yeah. Kupari Kupari got injured early it. in the tournament. That was yeah. the one LA King's
0: downside, was that he got injured in the pre tournament games, never got to play. But Fogamo kind of made up for it with Sweden. Right. Swedish power play. It was always Fogamo and Sandine on the points. And they would just play tic tac amongst each other hmm. and just really dominated the game. So I was very impressed with that. And, uh, yeah, no, that, that's, all, that's all my international guys there.
1: Hmm. You want to call it a wrap on
0: the World Juniors? Put a bow on it? Uh, one final shutout. I, I think it's not getting enough play as well is, is just the, the elite play of this tournament and the depth of the countries in it. Hmm. I, I think Group B. For the first time in a World Junior ever, I watched every group game and was captivated by every single one. Really? Just Group B. Yeah. Group A was a little more of a lopsided affair, but the Group B games with Germany having Cider and, and, and the and the new in and and, and uh, stutzel and, and, and the Czechs having the home crowd behind them who were jumping and dancing the whole time and the crazy coach who, who would go nuts. Like I love that passion. The, the the Czechs, I mean they beat Germ they beat they beat Russia. Yeah. And Russia won the silver medal. I mean, right. the parity of the tournament now with these smaller countries developing these players, it's it's extremely fun to watch. Mm. And and the fact that Group B was such a toss-up the whole way, Canada could have finished last or first up until the final game, like that was amazing. Yeah. So so for me, just the, just the sheer depth of the tournament, I, I think, is a huge positive, And I think the tournament's only going to get better now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very high, high quality product they put out there. Even I remember Ray saying, they asked him, Ray, what do you think of the what, what's the speed like out there, especially compared to the NHL? And he goes, guys, it's definitely fast, a little less structured, but definitely fast. <laughs> so you know what? Um, it's in terms of enjoyability, it's right up there, if not better, in some of these games than than watching a, like a a regular season NHL game. It's awesome to watch. And uh, definitely exciting. And I think the half ice there in between the Olympic and the uh, and mm-hmm. the regular NHL was a great Refreshing size. Man. Sometimes the big, big ice can get a little bit tiresome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was a perfect mix. And we'll be in uh, Alberta next year. So we'll have a great... That uh, ice
0: is going to be in Alberta? or the No, that uh, just normal the tournament. Will be Alberta, Normally, I
1: mean. yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll have a great time there as well. Of course. And I think that's it for the World Juniors.
0: Okay, yeah. That was... Uh, yeah. I'd say that, that covered it pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, we will segue to kind of our next scouting opportunity, and this being more recent, mm. the CHL Top Prospects game, yes. which just took place this past Thursday, January 16th, in lovely Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Oh, Kyle lovely. and I made the venture out. It was a last-minute decision mm-hmm. to go out up to Hamilton, make, make the short drive from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and, uh, and and to see to see this game because of course it's a great opportunity because you know I keep talking about how you know these guys only come to Kingston so often and you all often have to wait two months in between every game to see these guys. In this one game, you could you could see everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, say what you want about the the skill on display or how hard they're trying. Um, but I mean, th- this was going to be a good opportunity. So so we went about. We saw this we saw this game and, and and what are your takeaways from there Kyle?
1: Um, yeah the first thing uh, first guy I want to touch on well first of all the the game in general. I think this is where we differ slightly is I, I didn't see it as much as a, as a scouting tool rather than uh, more, more like a form of enjoyment. I, I just think it's hard to judge these guys you know playing with guys they haven't played with before. That being said, I think there's something to say on guys who can really click with guys quickly. Uh, I think Connor Zari was a guy who we thought that uh, his chemistry with his line mates Forrester, part of them, that they had played together. They actually don't play together. They just happen to click instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So he had a really great game. He showed some speed and obviously some chemistry, uh, some passing ability, and and he was uh, he was all over the ice. He was zipping and z- and diving all over the place. Awesome show by Connor Zari. I think he's a a lock for a mid-first rounder. Uh, Jeremy Poirier, which I pointed out to Nick before the game, he was a standout. He was paired with Drysdale, and I think they were very obviously the best puck-moving defenseman in the game. Um, They would play pitch and catch to each other, and you could tell no one wanted any part of that. They didn't even want to try Mm -hmm. to get that puck. Uh, He's got a bit of size to him. His skating was great. His hands were great. He had that one snipe goal. Red was a disappointment overall, but he had, uh, he had a good showing there, and I think he's got a pretty good potential if he uh, stops his little bit of immature lapses mm-hmm. here, and, here and there. Um, obviously, Laugh was very dominant in the fact that when he did have the puck, the game seemed to be in just slow motion. It looked like when he had the puck, he'd make a little move, do a little something, and then obviously... Something would like things would just slow down and, mm-hmm. and guys just would not be around him somehow. Mm-hmm. It was it was interesting to watch first time seeing him live. And um, and that was my takeaway from him. And then obviously we we touched on Byfield a little bit. First time seeing Marco Rossi um, live or or in, in, mm-hmm. a, in a viewing setting. Uh, I liked he had a good motor. I, I liked how how hard he was playing his his skating. Uh, they didn't produce too much that line. But again, can't really fault him there. Nicest um, goal of the game, if you ask. Or actually, there were two nice ones. He, he connected the, on... The
0: passing play between him, Perot, the tic-tac-toe yes. pass right in front to Quinn.
1: Yeah. was a beautiful goal. Yeah, that was a good one. So yeah, he he, he was good. I mean, I liked him more than Perfetti in the game, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I think yeah. he was he was all over the puck, especially for, for Red, who was, mm-hmm. again, disappointing. Uh, so I, yeah, it, it was great to see those guys in person. But uh, I'm not taking too much out of it from a scouting standpoint.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have brief notes here. For, for me, my most anticipated player to watch was probably Jamie Drysdale because he suits what I look for in a player and, and he seems to personify the qualities I like. A high hockey sense, um, you know, high, high, high skating ability, a defenseman who a lot of people compare to Makar. I mean that that's 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 what I wanted to see and, and he never made a mistake the whole game. I watched every single decision he made and he he would ne- the mistake would never be on him, it would always be on somebody else. And, and and that was just really just hard crisp passes, breaks it out of his own when he feels like doing it on his own, makes the nice, you know, crisp pass out of the zone when he feels like passing it out and, and doing it by committee. Um, just very impressed with his hockey sense and I, and I think he's gonna fit like a glove with wherever he goes, despite the size. Um, Perfetti for me was more subtle. Um, didn't really stick out, you know as, as a Rossi, as you just explained, but you know subtly he'd make a play. He'd make a play off the boards and make a set up a nice breakout pass. He'd cross the blue line with the puck and kind of slow down the pace in a laugh kind of way and, and, and find a teammate streak into the net. Um he he made subtle plays which showed me, okay, I can see why this guy's projected to go top ten. But at the same time, you know, the whole package, everything taken together, skating, shot, uh, passing, you know, the whole the whole nine yards, um, for me he just he, he seemed like a, a step below the laughs and the Drysdales and the Rossies for that matter. Yeah. Um, you know, Rossi for me I loved. I, I, I just like that style the 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 compete level always even when he's away from the puck he's he just seems aware he seems aware of his surroundings where's the play going next you know hightailing it at both ends of the ice I just I heard about his character and I heard about his just work ethic and, and just being a hard worker and and that to me you know was on full display despite his size he's a very small guy often looks hunched over when he's skating just the way he skates but I I was very impressed and of course with that goal I mentioned Uh, setting up that beautiful play. It was all set up by him off the boards, winning the puck battle there. So that was great to see. Um, I guess from the guys I didn't know, I was very impressed with, as you said, Poirier and Cormier. I thought it was almost unfair how they were on the same team as Drysdale. Like clearly the three best D of the game Mm. were on the same team, these dynamic D who were just jumping in the play whenever they felt like it. I was just super impressed because I, I, I didn't know these guys, never heard of them. And now I'm interested in just going on mocks and seeing where they're headed. Yeah. You know, if I have a team in the 20s picking, do I have a shot of getting them? You mm-hmm. know, that that just that interests me. Like, can I? Can, like, it, it's just fun seeing those guys you didn't know going into this game, and I'm glad I saw them. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Caden Gooley, who scored the goal for Team White, their first goal from the point. It was a Perfetti to Gouli mm-hmm. setup. Um, mm-hmm. This guy was a guy who I watched at the Holinka Gretzky. He was my second standout defenseman next to Drysdale. Uh, Gord Miller basically called him a 6 defenseman who skates like the wind. When I heard like that, I was already invested. Um, just just watching him looks like a Colton Pareko. He That that's what he's gonna be. He just has the size. He has the reach. He can shoot. He can defend. He he, he can he can play both sides of the ice, and. Um, Just super impressed with the kid. Just found out he was the number one pick in the WHL draft. So clearly a lot of pedigree already there. This isn't just some guy who who is a flash who came out of nowhere. Um, So he's a guy who in mocks seems to be going in like the 15s, the Mm. 20s, in the middle of the draft. So Mm. that's a storyline for me. Where do these defensemen go after Drysdale? Where do these two offensive guys we saw go? Where does Gooley go? it's a uh, you know the uh, the american defenseman who they're saying is the second best defenseman in the draft mm-hmm. his name kind of escapes me right now um but all those things considered uh it gives gets me very excited about the defense class in this in this draft which i di- didn't think much about i thought this mm-hmm. was just a scoring like uh based draft forward based and and yet here i am um almost second guessing myself saying hey wait a second there's some real good steel defenseman in this draft so Super excited from what I saw all around, and and I'm just glad I came out of this out of this showcase not only seeing like the guys I wanted to see, like the top top guys, but also you know of course the guys who just who just surprised me, and I and I think that came from the back end.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how they structured the rosters because we talked about Poirier and Drysdale being the number one unit on Red Team White their number one unit was Gooley and Braden Schneider, two guys known more for their physical play than their offensive play. Um, and they ended up, you know, having the upper hand at the end of the day. Because, well, and, you know, we saw some big hits out there. The, ga- the game had some, uh, has some had some physicality for sure. But uh, I think all in all, good takeaway there is those guys can play. Don't be scared off by, you know, maybe Caden Gooley doesn't have the best statistics uh, this guy is going to translate extremely well, um, and, and that was great to see. We also saw some uh, some big names walking around. We saw Chris mm-hmm. Pronger
0: walk right by. Within the first minute, Chris Pronger yeah.
1: walked right by Kyle. It yeah. was amazing. Absolutely. Then we saw some general managers, Pierre Dorian. We followed him on the sidewalk. Wearing, wearing a backpack a and chir- chirping his <laughs> fellow execs. <laughs> it was funny because... You saw Mark Bergevin or who we thought was Mark Bergevin walk onto like a team bus. Yeah. That's great. That's what you expect to see. And then you see Pierre Dorian with a fucking Swiss gear backpack. Yeah. Just entering, walking the down, entering the subway. Entering the subway with his buddies. It was so contrasted. It was hilarious. Yeah, yes. Like big franchised organization in Montreal and then puny little Ottawa just yeah. trying to get by. <laughs> it was so funny yeah, to see. Yeah,
0: it was, it was just a cool atmosphere of like, because like, there's no security like mm-hmm. they are they are one and amongst you yeah like we, we just be walking and 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 john Chaiko would just be standing there talking right. to some to some rando like to some family members and i'd just be like whoa like there's nothing right now between me and John Chyka, mm-hmm. a NHL GM. So, so just just seeing how intimate this atmosphere was, and seeing all all the scouts there, you know, and all the GMs there, you know, all the guys wearing team jackets and stuff out of nowhere. St. Louis, Arizona, just every like Arizona, the Arizona scouts were at the same bar we were at after the game. Right. Like, yeah. It's just a it's just a small little town. This this Hamilton. And you got all these guys coming from all over the... The, the, the hockey the, world. The continent. Yeah. And, and and here they are in this in this little arena enjoying the same game we were. So very, very cool, very tight-knit atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I know Ontario won't host one again, but I'd definitely go to one again. Yeah. If, if it's close
1: and if it's convenient. Yeah. And yeah, we had our jerseys on. We had the Jonathan Duran mm-hmm. Montreal and the Drew Doughty LA Kings. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we were aptly prepared. Yeah. Good uh, stuff. Hoping to get on camera, but it didn't happen.
0: We don't well, we don't know. We didn't watch not. the broadcast, yeah. right? Yeah. So right. Until I watched the broadcast, which I have every intent of doing. <clears throat> mm. um, yeah. No no idea whether that came to fruition. So um with that said, we're gonna move into our final uh, prospect based segment here. Mm. Kyle's been really excited to get this out. So we're gonna try <laughs> something new here. This is gonna be his first attempt. <clears throat> At a mock draft. This is mock 1.0 mm. for at least half the Rink Moose family. Me and yeah. myself, not really prepared at the moment. I, I have some, I have some live, you know, games I'll be going to. I, Cole Perfetti will be visiting the Kingston Frontenacs this coming Friday, so I'll be looking forward to going out to that game. Of course, the 67s will be back in ty- town because that's a big rivalry with Kingston. Um, and 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 I I just feel I want to see a little more of these international guys these mm-hmm. Stutzels uh, and these Swedish kids so I'm gonna wait a little bit but I'm gonna hand the mic over to Kyle and he's gonna give you a rinkmoose first mock
1: draft 1.0 nice intro I'm gonna go do a top 15 here and uh, yeah there's some of these guys I don't know as much about as with any Probably pros. um, Any scout, you kind of fill in the blanks based on what you've heard, and based on where other people have these rankings. Obviously, like this isn't my job, so I'm not gonna go and watch you know 15 tape games of Rossi. Sorry, (laughs) Uh, but I have a life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know what? Here's what I'll do. I know we've got we're doing other stuff after this. I'll I'll quickly um, go one to 15. Maybe give uh, a tiny word on why they're there, and then go from there. And if you want to jump in at any point, feel free. Oh, this is all you. Feel free. All right, le- number one, <clears throat> future Montreal Canadian, <laughs> Alexi Lafreniere. No no ex- explanation really needed. Cemented his spot at the World Juniors. It's clear cut. There's no one that's going to chase him. Uh, if he went 0.5 point per game the rest of the fucking year, he'd still go number one. Uh, number two, Quentin Byfield and his hold on this spot is uh, is loosening. He's lo- he's losing his grip on this spot. Um, he, he it's a fragile spot for him. Uh, obviously the physical tools fantastic. The point production statistically is there. It's just when we've seen him play live or on TV, um, there's there's a little bit to be desired. So Byfield at number two, uh, number three a ju- a riser for me Drysdale. Um, I mean, this to me, this three spot, it's a point where if you are a team at number three and you need a defenseman, you happen to have a team need for a defenseman, have no problem jumping on Drysdale. I know there's other big forwards there, and you usually say it in a draft, take the best player, but he's good enough where if you need a defenseman, you can take him here. Uh, He's in the echelon of, of a Byram Quinn Hughes type of player. Skating is off the charts. Uh, smarts, all that kind of thing. When he stepped into the game in the semifinals for Canada, he was dominant. He looked like one of the better players. Very, very impressed. I want to see him with a little bit more size over the coming years, build a little bit of strength, and he'll be NHL ready, and he'll make an impact quickly. Number four, Lucas Raymond. Again, losing his spot a little bit. It's a soft hold. Before the year started, a lot of people would have had Raymond at number two. He was that um, highly thought of. A lot of people like this guy because he's a very complete player. Skills right up there with the top of the draft, but this guy can go both ways. He is a winger, uh, and and he just has all the elements that you'd look for. The one thing about this guy, statistically not too great so far, but he's not getting used a lot. So with the amount of time that he is being used, his time on ice is like 10 minutes a game. Uh, he's actually doing really, really well with what he's getting in a men's league, the SHL. So he's doing all right there. I'd like to see a bit more out of him. If not, I can see him slipping. Number five, Tim Stutzel, another riser uh, throughout the year. Haven't seen a lot of this guy, but you know, you read a lot of reports, you see a lot of mock drafts, and this guy is rising on everyone's rankings. Um, from what I hear, he's a Patrick Kane type of player. Uh, skills off the charts. Um, just that dynamic quality again I'd like to get you a little I'd like to get a bit more viewing on him before I give you too much more but uh, a center slash winger uh, if he can solidify himself as that center guy um, you could see him all the way up at number three Uh, everyone likes a center so Stutzel at five for me number six uh, Marco Rossi again a guy I would not have had this high earlier but the statistics don't lie. He is on a great Ottawa uh, 67s team, but uh, the numbers he's putting up is unprecedented. Um, and if you get a guy who can put up those stats and have the work ethic that he does, um, hard to miss on this guy. Really, really great prospect. I like him a lot. Um, if Man, I wish he was a, at least an inch taller. I just want him to be one more inch. Uh, Marco Rossi. Number seven, Cole Perfetti. Um a little bit, he's cooled off a little bit. He's one of those guys I would have had higher earlier on. Obviously, um, surging after Holinka Gretzky. Uh, good statistics, not as much of a goal scorer as he was last year, but he's showing he's got a really good smarts for the game, showing different aspects to us. He's been more of a playmaker this year, which is interesting. Didn't see that coming. And then uh, I saw him at the camp. Wasn't overly impressed with him at the camp. He looked like a young man. He's got some work to do. But uh, from all we've seen, the skill is there, the potential is there. Uh, this guy could be a game-breaker down the road. Uh, I think he just needs a bit more seasoning, but he's got that uh, dynamic quality that, uh, that teams will really enjoy. Again, center slash winger. I think he translates more of a winger in the NHL. If he was a bona fide center, he might be higher on the list. Anton Lindell at number eight a very complete center if you want a guy who's going to be a pure two-way centerman very safe pick um, less of a less of a dynamic skill quality to him but uh, like I said um, in in the Bergeron type of player where you're not going to put up 80 points but you'll get 65 and you'll be really responsible in your own end everyone wants a guy like this so if you're in need of a, a center And you want a guy who can just be a really safe pick for you. You don't want to miss. You're under fire from your GM. Don't fuck this up. You can't miss with Lindell, another one of those awesome Finnish players. Number nine, Alex Holtz, the second half of the Swedish duo. Um, What I love about Holtz is he's a weapon. He is a weapon in the fact that he's a a pure sniper. This guy's a goal scorer. He will be in the NHL. Uh, That's fantastic and all, but he's a little bit one dimensional in the fact that um, he doesn't do too much else. He's a fair passer, not a great passer. Uh, He's a little bit... uh, He might be one of the best scorers in the draft, purely. If that's what you're looking for, great. You've got yourself a scoring winger. But I like my guys a little bit more well-rounded. Number 10, Dylan Holloway. Interesting pick here. I think I have him a little bit higher than, than some people. Playing in the NCAA this year. I see this guy translating translating as a centerman. Uh, he's going to be a workhorse, probably going to be on your second line down the road. Uh, and he's got a great character. He has an old school, old timey game to him. Uh, he he get he likes to get his nose dirty. He grinds, but at the same time, he has that skill. So this is a guy who's going to go down and block shots for you, and then he's going to turn around and um, and be on your power play as well. Uh, again, not. At the top end of dynamic skill, but uh, a guy similar to Lundell that you definitely just want on your team for, you know, a lot of the intangibles that you look for. Uh, number 11, Connor zari This guy's a riser for me. Um, he's just he's he's proved in every international tournament that I've watched him at that he can be one of the big boys. He's never been in that top 10 conversation. Uh, I have him at 11, and he's just continued to be. One of those spark plugs, Brendan Gallagher types with, with skill, uh, really great motor. And um, you just like this guy. He, he's, he's a great player, and uh, he's going to impress you. He's also got a really great point-per-game clip in the WHL. For a long time, he was actually leading the WHL in scoring. Uh, Noel Gundler at number 12, international guy. Um This guy is like a poor man's, little bit poor man's Alexander Holtz, absolute sniper. He's got a top three, maybe top four shot in this draft. Um, A lot of people have him a lot lower because he's got, let's not hide from this, he's got character issues from everything I hear. Um, This is one of those guys, he's like a Ryan Merkley, where his skill would put him in the top 10, but he's got a little bit of an attitude problem. Uh, and you know what, uh, he, he's one of those guys you want to be, you want to be Lyria, be careful with this guy. Um, but at the same time, they said that about, uh, Kaliev and he's looking great with, right. uh, with, with, his play so far. So I like Gundler.
0: Wait, so if I may
1: interject, what,
0: what, what, what's he play? What position he play? What leagues he in? What, what nationality is he? I don't know. He, he's uh
1: Swedish SHL. Uh, I think he's a winger okay. and I think he's got fairly good stats for his usage he him holtz and raymond are the three guys that are in the men's league shl mm-hmm. this year so very impressive okay. there and uh and he's got a wicked shot okay i'm excited um number three yeah you like that whole character i'm right? to be all over
0: this guy now
1: <laughs> yeah so uh number 13 jeremy poirier um, we saw him at the top prospects game. He's, he's, he's always been making noise as, as that offensive defenseman. Got some size to him, too. Again, the, the one thing that's keeping him from being such a great top-tier prospect is sometimes he's got little, I like to say, French-Canadian immature qualities to him. Love it. <laughs> and, uh, and that just means sometimes he likes to you know do everything himself, L- rush the puck up mm. the ice, try to deke three guys. You see it a lot in Jonathan Drouin back mm. in his earlier days. Uh, he's got a little bit of that. If you iron out those issues, really great skater, really great puck mover. He has a shot to him, as we saw at the prospects game. This guy could be um, under the radar kind of guy. Uh, number 14, a huge dropper. This guy was like number two on Craigslist list Whoa. early in the year. Hendricks, Lapierre, uh, all the way down wow, to 14 now. Yeah. A lot of guys have him fucking out of the first round, if you can believe that. The bad thing about this guy is that he doesn't have a lot of goals. His stats aren't great. His point per game is not great. Uh, He has a concussion right now. He's been injured. So all those things mounting up, it doesn't look good for him. But if you look at the positives, he's incredibly smart. If you remember what he did at the Halenka, he was actually him and Perfetti were like the best players on the team. I don't think that was a mistake that that happened. It wasn't bad luck or good luck. This guy's a crazy good player. He's he's like he's like a Nick Backstrom. He's a pure playmaker, extremely smart. Um, I just hope things can get on the right track for him injury-wise. Uh, and I think he's got some new teammates now, too. So um, if he gets those stats up, he'll probably be a first-rounder. But right now, it's, it's tough. I think talent-wise, he's number 14. Craig still has him as number 9. So Craig's a believer in this guy. Um, number 15, I had to include him. Yaroslav Askarov. Nice. Just because he deserves a mention. Uh, Best, quote-unquote, best goalie prospect since Carey Price. It's hard to evaluate goalies, but, I mean, this guy's got a track record and a history to suggest that he deserves the title. Um, We saw him a little bit shaky at the World Juniors, but how many draft-eligible goalies play at this tournament? It's very rare. Good on him for even playing in... You know his lion's share of the games, and uh, if if a team is is that desperate for a goalie, um, you know it, it would be hard for me to say take him in in the in this range. But you know we we saw it with Spencer Knight last year, and this guy is apparently better than Spencer Knight, better goalie prospect. So if you do have that need, you you can take him here, and that'll round out the top fifteen. It's
0: yeah, I mean, just hearing this list is exciting. I mean. The top ten looks like a top ten. I've been I have just seen if if I've happened to look at any mock, um, but hearing guys like you know Gunler and 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 Zari rising all of a sudden, and then Poirier, who I just saw, that excites me. The fact that once you get into the teens, there's names I'm invested in. And I can't say that about a draft ever I, from top to bottom. I mean, the fact you didn't even mention Ghoulie, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's 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 very impressive. And, and I'm super, super like I can't even contain my excitement for this draft. I know. And we have four <laughs> or five months to go. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. This is ridiculous. We're going to have to get absolutely tossed for the. Uh, oh, it's lottery. The lottery. Huge. The it's going <laughs> to be huge. I cannot wait. Like I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to commute all the way back here to watch that with you. I know, because that's not something you can watch on two different streams where one's ahead of the other. Like it's the most time-sensitive event ever. Yeah.
1: And I like how they've. I like how the NHL has turned it into a full feature length like project. Mm. Like yeah. you have to now watch half an hour. Yep. And then you have to watch the numbers go. Yep. You gotta watch. Watch the
0: lawyer carry the briefcase. Yeah. He's the one man in the world who knows who got <laughs> the one pick. I always <laughs> try to read based on his facial
1: expression what it is. With the security surrounding yeah. him and little it's smirks. Amazing. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Kudos to how the GM uh, celebrates. You know, and, and, and they don't, right? Does there? he do a
0: fist pump? Does he shake the other guy's hand? I mean, what's
1: what happens here? You wish you saw more of that, eh? Like, oh. when you realize you're in the top three, the guys are just like, mm-hmm. Good. But this
0: one's big in particular. So I, I just know. I
1: just feel like they're going to sell you real hard, whoever wins. so Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, super exciting stuff. And, <sighs> and I think that caps our coverage here uh, of the draft for this episode. This, yeah. this episode was going to be very draft-heavy, of course, with the juniors and the top prospects. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we we hope we were informative. And uh, without further ado, we're going to move on to our uh, shotgun segment of the week. Shotgun. Um, What the hell's been going on in the National Hockey League? What this podcast is all about. Right. So, um, without further ado, I mean, I'm just going to throw out some names there. And as per usual, I'm just going to get your quick thoughts, Kyle, um, on each of these. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, just pulling up the list here. Okay. I have team wise. I have the Montreal Canadiens and the signing of Ilya Kovalchuk.
1: Let's yeah.
0: I think that's a good point to start. So, sure. W- what do you make as the Habs fan? What What do you make of this of this transaction? Obviously, a, a Russian, the Russian of Russian players, has signed with your beloved team. How do you feel about this apparent he he is a god now in Montreal. The guy the guy scoring every game he he just stuck it to Marc-André Fleury last night and scored against the Golden Knights. Yeah. I mean this this guy's on a more than a point per game pace. He's manning the power play. He's everything Jonathan Drouin wants to be.
1: Oh. <laughs> Come on! So why what, do you have to go there? So
0: so, wh- what's this mean for your team? How's this change the perspective of if you're competing or mm. tanking? And and how are things gonna change when JoJo joins the team? I'm sure after the All Star break, because that's gonna throw a whole wrench into the situation as to who's deployed where. Max Domi's getting
1: benched. What the hell's going on in Montreal? It's such a firestorm, a shit show, an entanglement of bullshit. It's hard to really sift through the crap. In terms of the Kovalchuk thing, when they signed him, I was like, okay, he's going to plug some injury holes and then he's probably going to get like sent back to the AHL. He's on a two-way contract, Nick. So this guy, and the famous words of Mark Bergevin, and kudos to this guy, the famous words, he has to play well. This is his <laughs> last chance. And I'm like, oh, shit. And Ilya Kovalchuk took those words Tucked him into his pocket and has played incredibly well, a resurgence of sorts. In L.A., he was a mess, from what I can tell. Um, I didn't watch much of his games there, but from what I could hear, this guy can't skate. Couldn't skate, yeah. This guy can't do anything. He, he's not the player he used to be. Washed up, washed up, washed up. And what a guy. He could have just scuttled his way back to the KHL and lived out the rest of his days. But instead, he wanted to make his final mark on the NHL. He came to Montreal, a historic city, and he has been nothing but lights out. And even the games I watched him, he actually looks good. The guy can skate. He can actually he can skate. He's he made a crazy pass the other day. Uh, he's he's scoring just as well as as I can remember. The shot's still um, there. The, the, the game winning goal there. against Ottawa. It's, it's oh,
0: vintage Kovalchuk.
1: Vintage. Crazy, crazy stuff. That it's been awesome to watch. As a Montreal fan, I have been torn in so many different directions. Uh, I feel terrible because, obviously, a few weeks ago, we had the eight-game losing streak, the second of the year. And I said, great. I just made a mock draft. There's a lot of good players on it. It's a tanking year. Hendrick here. Clapier to Montreal. What? Yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with this team tanking. That's what I said. I said, you know what? Trade away the Tatars, the Petries of the world. Get your, get your draft picks, and let's get going here. Kovalchuk comes in, in the last few games we've had wins, all of a sudden you look at the standings, they're not too far out, we're getting Jonathan Drouin back, Brendan Gallagher's coming back, Price is looking like Price, and all of a sudden, literally just in the last few days, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm saying, holy shit, let's get back on the horse, so now I'm giving up my lottery dreams, for now. I'm giving up my lottery dreams and I'm saying, let's go win these games. Mm-hmm. Let's go win these games now. I think, uh, I think they can do it. Jonathan Duran was having a great season before they, before he, um, he got injured. Uh, so he'll be back sometime around after the all-star break. They have a chance. They have a chance. And that's super exciting. I'm getting little vibes of the Ottawa senators Hamburglar year. I don't think it's quite that vibe, but, um, my biggest fear, Nick, is they come and they finish in like just outside of a playoff that's spot. Exactly,
0: it's exactly what's gonna happen. You don't know that. I mean, you've played more games than any team in the NHL. You're at fifty games played. And the reality is you're 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 six points back of that clunk, Carolina, Philly, Colombo, and the Leafs. That's that's a big clunk that's occupying that final spot. You're six point you're six seven points out at this point. And I I just look at your team, you know, top to bottom. I mean, with the injuries, it hasn't helped. But you're going to need Gallagher back. You're going to need Drouin back. You're going to need Kovalchuk to keep producing at his pace. You're going to need all these things to go right. Whereas I don't say that about that other clunk of teams. With that other clunk of teams, they just got to play like the teams they are. Whereas with Montreal, to me, just too much has to go right here. And hell, even Buffalo's ahead of Montreal at the moment. I mean, they got a long way to go. And uh, it's sad because they're going to be right in that clunk. You named it. They're going to be right in that section of teams that doesn't make it, but they're not tanking. They're not with the Ottawa's and the Detroit's and the
1: LA's and the New Jersey's. It's a horrible place. It's to horrible. Be. It's horrible. It's the and, worst worst place. to be. And and to speed things up, the trade deadlines, mid to late February, decisions will have to be made before the trade deadline. Are we going for this or are we yeah. not? Yeah. And, 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 um, and all, all likelihood, Mark Bergerman is going to be in the middle just like we are and saying, I don't want to trade futures and I don't want to trade guys who are helping me right now. So we're going to stand pat, which is like, fuck, boys. So it's tough. Like right now I'm in win mode because they've shown me a spark. I thought the spark was out, but mm-hmm. it's still there and I can't just uh, give up now. Even though my, I, won't, I want to give up. I do. My, I want them to lose. My
0: selfish hope is that they give a good run and they're still in the race three weeks from now. I will be at the Bell Center in three weeks from now. Oh, you want to be a meaningful game. Saturday night game, Leafs-Habs.
1: That could be a huge standing implication. When I I
0: looked at that game five months ago when we booked the trip, I told myself, this could be a big game. In mid-February, Leafs-Habs. I looked at the standings at the time. They were neck and neck the whole way. And over the past month, Things have been in shambles. So I'm hoping that that game, it's a big deal for both teams. That's like a must win for Montreal because that's definitely a team you're chasing. Mm. And uh, I I just hope to God they can stay in it up until then. So that's my selfish hope. And and I think with that, we'll segue to the Leafs. We should. Which is another subject in itself. I mean, to me, this team had a great stretch when we weren't recording this podcast. They, They won something like eight of nine. Sheldon Keefe was a god. They had the standout seven six or seven five win against Carolina on like a Monday afternoon. Marner scored a goal where he stole the puck at center ice and split the D and and went bar down on Reimer. It was like a god moment. Yeah, like it, it was it was like this team's good. This team's good. And then over the past couple weeks, I mean, lost like a like a letting eight goals against Florida, losing last night to Chicago you know, winning a game, losing two games, winning a game, losing two games, Freddie Anderson giving up bad goals, Morgan Riley getting injured for two months, Jake Muzzin still on the IR, having to ask Sandine and Lilligren to play to play top six minutes. I mean, to me Things have, things have kind of changed. This, this is not a given. I, I, Joe asked us, what's the percent of the Leafs getting into the playoffs? And I comfortably said 80%, and you said 80% as well. And the wise one Joe said only 60%. The wise biggest Leaf Joe. fan, he only said 60%. Yeah. And, and I think we're seeing why. There, there might be some cracks in our theory and, and, and more merit to what he said. I mean, it's not a given when you got teams like Tampa winning every, seemingly every game now. John Cooper has cemented himself back in his comfortable seat as the coach of the of Tampa. He's not going anywhere. Oh God, no! Bo- Boston had too good of a stretch at the start of the season, so even with their with their lapses, they're still ahead. Yeah. And, and Florida just keeps on winning, even without Bobrovsky. So to me, I mean, it's it's they're out of a playoff spot right now, and 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 it's going to be they only have thirty games left, and and that's why this is fun because it's the stretch run. And and I want to see what else they can do. And 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 to me, Freddie looks tired. He he looks like he can need some rest. Mm. They still haven't solved the backup goalie situation. I hope no. to God they trade for somebody at the deadline. Um this is fascinating.
1: Yes. The soap opera teeter totter game that we're watching with the Leafs, like it's it's similar to Montreal where you know they go on a massive losing streak, Babcock gets fired. For a lot of weeks, they're amazing. This new coach is so. They're scoring left, right, and center. Now we've got some, uh, we got some friction on this team, and and we thought, okay, and then and then uh, Riley goes down, Muzzin's down, the kids come in, they they fuck the other, they fuck uh, their opponents. There, it was it was like they don't need them. The kids are great, everything's fine, and now we're back to a point where like, holy shit, we're out of a playoff spot. And do we need help on defense? Are we going to have to plug this hole? Can the kids get this done? Um, Assuming Tampa is Tampa again, which I think they are. They're back. They're they're not going anywhere. Um, They're battling Florida for the Atlantic spot. I like Florida. I think Florida's a great team. You hate Florida. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> as a roster, <laughs> as a team. I don't like Florida, Florida. I like the Florida Panthers. Yeah. I think they're a great team. Yeah. Huberto, Barkov, Trocek, Ekblad. Like it's, they're a great team. Now they're battling them for a playoff spot. That's no easy matchup. In the Metro, they're battling, or sorry, in the Wild Card, they're battling Metro teams. And they're good. And, they're, and we're talking okay. Philly being the worst of the bunch. Okay. And then you have Carolina. And what about the, the other
0: one? What about the other one? <laughs> Columbo. Oh, don't. Elvis Merzlinkus, <laughs> he, has, he has three shutouts in the past seven days. Okay. Three shutouts in the past seven days. That's like intramural stats. Relax, relax.
1: I think Columbus is a flash in the pan. I disagree. Okay. So if Columbus (laughs) is somehow legitimate. This is
0: John Tortorella. He he swept the lightning last year. The passionate
1: (laughs) speech, Kyle. That can do so much. Maybe it is. So if you're saying Columbus is legit, which I'm but not I sure I think
0: is legit too. Car- but I, I was oh. never
1: on Philly. I was never on Philly. I'm saying Philly's legit. I, yeah, you said that from the start of the season. I'm telling you they're not legit. Especially when Carter Hart... Philly will be there the whole time. They'll okay. be in that wild... They'll well, be. Carter Hart's for gone, gone for three card. weeks, so... Yep. Better get ready soon. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's ever a time for Toronto to pounce on a team, it's probably Philly. But what I'm getting at is this is a actual tough battle Mm -hmm. this is going to be like gut checked like the fun is over in toronto you like the last couple weeks we're having fun guys are scoring points austin matthews is doing shit, hugging justin bieber cut the shit okay (laughs) no more of this bullshit if you get if you slip up once and you get caught doing goofy shit like making tiktoks with god knows who like who it's like you can blow this right to the fucking ceiling, <laughs> and uh, that would be. And then, and then you can't point at the coach. And then you can't. You, point are, you the coach. already made the move, right? And it, then you point at what the GM? The spoiled you, kids, exactly who, exactly. who couldn't?
0: Who couldn't? produce? So the and pro- that's Kyle's dream.
1: The prophecy, yeah, <laughs>
0: is almost full circle.
1: <laughs> the prophecy, oh, and is you lose full your full draft pick. So you lose your that. draft pick. You right? lose if, your draft. I, I
0: believe if they're, <clears> they're not top ten this year the first round pick um the first round pick cuz it's either this year or next year's draft right so if like they Oh do, they'll keep it. So if if they're <clears throat> not top 10
1: they they keep the pick. If they're not top 10 then Carolina will keep the pick. Right. If they are top 10 then the pick goes next D- year. Um I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Very interesting.
1: And and this they're is, not. I yeah, mean, they're,
0: they're certainly not in the top ten.
1: Now. This yeah. is a. It's a hilarious and funny and interesting story to watch, and it it will be the NHL will the the world of hockey will mm-hmm. be watching this. Yeah, because it's it's a it's a fascinating story. And the
0: numbers speak for themselves. They've lost five of their last six. Like yep. I said, six goals against a Blackhawks. They've team, been getting which, which is on the outside of the league. Yeah, uh, eight goals against a Florida team. Four goals against by a Jack Hughes New Jersey Devils team. <laughs> Uh, four goals against Winnipeg, six goals against Edmonton. I mean, they're they're letting in goals like like Note Tomorrow and, and, and they expect to be in a playoff spot. So it it it's
1: you, you nailed it. I mean it's they're twenty-seventh in the league in goals against. That's it's not and, a good look. And really interesting to and this might be the biggest part. Sheldon Keith mm. finally bends. <laughs> what will he do to respond? Mm-hmm. He, he should yeah. he, he there's sweat on his brow now Nick. He and, called his
0: team immature yeah, after the game yeah. last night.
1: So how does now he's, he gets to see what Babcock was dealing with? Mm-hmm. How what, what's his response? What's his discipline? What what's he going to do now? Is is he going to be, "Oh guys, let's have music at practice and let's do skills competitions and let's let's fuck around and eat yeah. ice cream on the yeah. bench." Yeah. What's going to happen now? Are we going to see him crack down or are we just going to let the kids run the show? This is gonna be amazing. I think amazing. we need
0: to see Bad Cop Sheldon Keefe soon. I'm s- I'm <laughs> sick of seeing him too calm. I, like, hate, I hate this they'll, guy. They'll, they'll get lit up. They'll be losing the game six one, and the the camera will just be on Sheldon Keith, and he'll just be like, "It's okay, guys. <sighs> it's okay." Like I've never seen a guy keep his poise so much when when things are, you know, when the shit hits the fan. I've never seen it. Yeah. So I I need to see more bad cop Sheldon Keith, and I think that's that's when it's going to have to take to to steer these kids in the right direction. So agreed. We'll see. I stand by my prediction. 80? You know, I, I said eighty. Well, I can't change it. I know. Yeah. So I got to stick with it. But but I still I still think they like I still can't imagine a world where they don't get
1: in. It's just
0: mind boggling to see that.
1: And I, I I couldn't either. But but it's foreseeable. But now because Florida's Florida, right? And Florida's Tampa's Florida. Tampa's Tampa,
0: and Boston's Boston.
1: Yeah Like I didn't see Wow Yeah I didn't see this coming it's But great, it's, it's a a great amazing sport. How quickly things change Right mm-hmm. in, a, in a few games Montreal yeah. is now Quote unquote Back in the mm-hmm. race In a few games Toronto is it's out of In huge thought. trouble yeah, it's great. Huge it's great trouble news. It's awesome So the, this is going to be A fantastic finish
0: Fantastic 30 games yep. um, So yeah We'll see what happens um, Moving on We're going to get into Some uh, Personnel here uh, Firings Yeah uh, we all your, love fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh the last one, of course, being a specialty of mine, a day I've been waiting a long time for. So <laughs> not
1: that we're, long.
0: We're gonna we st- we're gonna start with uh chronological. We're gonna go Peter Lavoilette. Who is <clears> that? Fired from the Nashville Predators. Um this one I guess it kind of surprised me because he was one of the most longest tenured coaches. He was there for a long time. He's, he's had a great coaching career. He had those great years with Philly. And this, this GM in Nashville, David Poyle, he never fires guys. He seldomly fires guys. Apparently, there's only been like three coaches that have worked for him in like his, in like his 20 years in the business, some crazy stat like that. So, um, But again, I look at the team, and I'm like underachieving. Like wh- wh- this team should be better based on what they are on paper. So yeah. what did you make of this firing quickly?
1: I actually wasn't too surprised. Um, don't know too much. you know. Re- I haven't researched his history or anything. But uh, you know what? Nashville is one of those teams I thought they would be a really good team this year. They finally got like imagine Poyle going out, doing the Duchesne deal, signing him and going, OK, I got what I needed. I, I finally got a great centerman to fill in my roster. The defense is still great. Rene is still Rene. And not really. Then, the goalie's
0: been the, that's been the well, issue
1: here, I think, by, the, by the, what I've been reading. Yeah, which which is a little bit surprising. But old goalie, what is he like? Thirty seven now? Like? Yeah. All in all, I wasn't surprised because every time I looked at the standings, I was. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was like, "This is not a bottom right. ten team." It, it just it has never made sense, and just with the talent they have, I, th- I thought the writing was on the wall, and it finally happened, and and we'll see what happens now, but. Yeah, Laviolette I know he's got a a, a long history, but uh, this was due. This I just
0: due. I, I dislike Nashville. Uh, like I, I, I dislike the team. I they're not a team I'm excited to watch. No. Would you ever flip on a Nashville game? No. No. God no. Like the God. Winter classic this year, Dallas to Nashville, like what oh, do I care? Who the fuck's watching that? What do I care? No I get one. you're growing the game in the in the Southwest, but like this Nashville team, like you get Grandlin, you get Duchesne, you trade away Suban. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not invested in this team. This team doesn't have an identity. That's no. what it's missing. Like yeah. I, when I think Nashville, I don't even know what to say. Mm. I don't even know what to say during this segment. Cause yeah. I'm like, like, why do I care? What, 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 what's your Colorado identity? St. Louis identity. Chicago even has an identity and they're, and they're on the outside looking in. I don't know what Nashville is. Mm. So they're like that one team that has to show me something. And then they go out and hire the guy who was just fired from New Jersey Like, New Jersey made the most... New Jersey made the most improvements in the offseason. They were everyone's darling. The critical darling. And then then they come out of the gates looking like shit, and they fire that coach, the alien. And now the alien's hired in Mm. Nashville. Like, I don't get it. I get relationships. Apparently, it's a GM coach thing, like a friendship they have. Mm. But, like, this is a results-oriented business. You know, hire coaches who've had success, which we'll Mm. get into shortly. But the fact you hire this guy who's had no no success at the NHL level with a team that was supposed to be good in jersey
1: to me is mind boggling huge yeah head scratcher for sure i i didn't i wasn't aware of that i didn't follow that too close i didn't know it was John New Hines. Jersey guy but uh that's that's weird they i don't think they're going to make the playoffs they're going to be out i mean uh... And that's that's a massive discipline. You just got Duchesne. You just like it's just a massive disappointment. And you're gonna you might lose Yossi, yeah. Isn't he on a contract year? I mean, uh, he resigned. He resigned. Oh, he's, okay. He, he, I think he resigned. Yeah, yeah. But yeah,
0: I mean, Colorado lock, St. Louis lock, and Dallas of late has started a push. They're tr- they're they're about to get into that lock territory. Yeah. And then and then Winnipeg. Like I just like Winnipeg more. Oh like, yeah. Win- Winnipeg has an identity. Yeah. They don't defend, but they have like. All this character up front. And they've battled through huge adversity yeah. this year. It's, and, and the goalie's a Vezina Trophy candidate. Right. Like, I can't... Like, what's gone on in Nashville? So, Yossi's a Norris Trophy candidate. He does that every year. Yeah. But everything else, like, nothing else speaks to me Under- on that Underachievers left, yeah. right, and center. So, I, I'd agree with you. I'd, I'd probably have them on the outside looking in right now, which I think we're both surprised by, given we probably, oh God, we yeah. both had them in the playoffs at sure. the start of the year. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, speaking of Jersey Ray Shiro Has been fired As GM of the Jersey Devils Best friend of Pierre Maguire's um, Come on What What did you What did you make of this Because this is more interesting Because it's a GM When a GM loses his job It's very different It happens less frequently What, what it tells me Is basically When a GM gets fired It's almost like You had a vision And it's plummeted And it's yeah. shit Like your five year <clears throat> vision Has gone to shit and now we're bringing in new personnel. What did you think of this? Yeah, go on.
1: I don't. I don't like this. I. I don't. I. I like Ray Shero. He used to be a P- Pittsburgh Penguins general manager. The problem is his with his vision. We all thought it was a great vision as well. All the all this all the the pundits, all mm-hmm. the the professionals. With, oh, New Jersey, a lot of great improvements. It's not his fault the guy's fucking underachieved and blew it. And the goalie's letting in goals from everywhere. Exactly. Like he can't control that. Like, and they were on a rebuild, Like, and he seemingly made the team a lot better. And then it just happened to blow up on him for various, various reasons. Probably reasons we don't even know publicly that guys just have had off years and such. Maybe they weren't happy with the Hall deal. Maybe
0: well, the ownership was like, what the fuck? You didn't get Barrett Hayden? Maybe they watched the World Juniors and were like, "What yeah. the fuck?"
1: Right, but I mean, it, the writing was on the wall. Hall had to go. Maybe he did it too quickly. Maybe the it was it was a little bit rushed. But uh, should have been like Joe Sackick. Just wait till the very last minute and yeah. get Hall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're cutting away on a guy who off that one deal, I, I, this just seems undeserved. I, I think G- GMS are allowed to like make a little bit of mistakes. I don't even think this one was, was all that bad. So I think maybe they just looked at his long-term future vision and said, hey, we're not into this. Maybe they want more of a rebuild. Maybe they want to mm. keep going backwards. And he wanted to go forwards. But, hey, I, I think I've liked his drafting. They've got Ty Smith there. Obviously, they won the lottery. That's great. They've got a, a decent amount of kids coming up, and maybe they just want to keep going with that. So, hey, fuck. I, I'm sure Ray Sherrill will get another job sometime. Uh, I just don't like this firing. And yeah, you share the view of Pierre. Pierre basically said, whoever is inheriting
0: this job, whoever is going to be at this, at this desk, which I don't think they formally announced yet, but whoever inherits this job is the luckiest man in the world. He called them. I don't know. Because you're inheriting a situation, which is a hell of a lot better than the situation Shiro inherited, you know, four or five years ago Mm. when he inherited this team. Like this team was a fiasco. Right, Lou Lamorello had traded away all their draft picks. He had traded away all their top players or all their prospects to compete when they had that window. You know, the, land, the before he went to the Leafs, and then he just went right. over to the Leafs. But when yeah. when Shiro was there, he had to build it back up. Mm-hmm. And he did, he did a pretty good job. He didn't trade away so. his picks. He drafted well. He had the first rounders, the Heishers and the, the Hugheses. He he had the late picks like the Ty Smiths. Mm-hmm. Um, say what you want about the Subban deal, but. You know, I mean...
1: Uh, who is, could have predicted Yeah,
0: who could have predicted the that? Fall off. The fall-off. The fall-off. The Lindsey Vaughn fall-off. <laughs> the curse of Lindsey Vaughn. Oh, God. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So, I think he did a... Like, if you look at his resume, like, it's a decent job. Mm-hmm. We read the take of the Hall trade when it broke live on our show. We we weren't all that no. tough on him. Yeah. You know, with all the conditional picks and stuff. Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's shitty. Like whoever's coming in there, like I, I kind of agree with Pierre. Like your situation's not all that bad. Like the the Halls and the Heeshers are only getting the Hughes and the Heishers are only going to get better, and I'm sure you have a top pick this year. You know, mm-hmm. so shame, sad story, and yeah. uh, we'll see what's next in in the career of, of Ray Shiro's and and the in the in the long term success of the New Jersey Devils. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that said, the final topic of the show, the final shotgun here, Gerard Gallant fired, the clown hired. What did you think of this?
1: Well, obviously not as much as you, but (laughs) (laughs)
0: listen, it's a great story. You don't even have to be invested in this.
1: It's a great story. Objectively speaking, it's a great story. Without touching too much on the the playoff history between the two coaches, you need to though. Oh, you you can do that. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you take that. Um, Gallant was a great coach. If you look at all of the underlying statistics, all of the numbers, Vegas has been a great team. Uh, they've been struggling in the goaltending department. Again, I, I don't uh, I don't see it, this. Who saw that coming? I know, yeah. I don't see this team's fortunes this year as being on him as much as anyone else would. He had a, like a four-game losing streak, and then he was canned. What what he's done for this team since day one of their uh, inaugural season has been nothing short of a miracle. And I think this is just a slap in the face, and I think we're getting into an NHL that is way too trigger-happy with the firings. They they, they like to see the, the new coach boost that we all – often mm-hmm. tend to see get a new coach get a big boost in your in your win streak and then things tend to even out and and, and average uh, and i think the general manager saw the guy peter Debour, waiting on the sidelines and saying i really want that guy i'm gonna wait for this for um for Gallant to fuck up just a little bit and then i'm gonna can him which i think is just a, a gutless move gutless and, uh, and I think that was the why Gallant was victimized here because the GM had a guy that he liked a little bit better on the sideline and no one is safe anymore.
0: I don't like that. You know, you know what a quote I think of when I think of the situation? Lay it on me. If you can't beat him, join him. Ugh. And in this case, the Vegas Golden Knights could not beat Pete DeBoer, the clown, because he had the last laugh. He won game seven of their playoff series last year. The Golden Knights lost, and in I a, think I think crappy
1: bullshit still happened.
0: Way. We're not going back there. The game that sent Nick to tears oh. ultimately ended Gerard Gallant's tenure with the with the Vegas Golden Knights. At that moment, the GM George McPhee said they got the better coach, and and oh, I and boy. I think this was the moment he waited, he waited, he waited for for DeBoer to to, to get fired, waited for Gallant to to have a little hiccup. And, and he made the call, and, and, and credit Pierre. He brought up some good points. I mean, when George McPhee was the GM of Washington for a very long time, you know, DeBoer was in the Eastern Conference. He was coaching New Jersey for a lot of years. He brought a shitty New Jersey Devils team to the Stanley Cup final. Do you remember that year, Kyle?
1: Vaguely. 2012,
0: the Devils were in the final against the LA Kings. Yeah, vaguely. And, 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 and that team had no business being there. They had Kovalchuk and nobody else. Hmm. And, and, and then he was also coaching Florida. So he was coaching these Eastern teams. And George McPhee kept seeing this DeBoer guy popping up and saying, whoa, his teams are pretty good. Hmm. And then Kelly McCrimmon, the, uh, the, the, the assistant GM there in, in Vegas, he coached uh, a team in the OHL when DeBoer was coaching Kitchener and Deboer had a bunch of success with Kitchener. And so it's all these little connections that you wouldn't see from the surface level, like us ca- like the casual fans wouldn't see this shit. But mm. when you when you when Pierre kind of explains it in this way, I kind of see what he's getting at. These guys have scouted this clown for quite some time. And 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 they say, "Hey, like this guy gets his shit together. This guy knows how to coach a team, how to get success." So I mean, how do you not root for this Deboer guy? He's been to two Stanley Cup finals. He took a San Jose team last year to the Western Conference final that had the worst goaltending in the league. Yeah. How do you bring a team to the Western Conference final with a 350 GAA? Like, how the hell does that
1: happen? They beat my team.
0: What's he do? Like, does he use a hypnosis or something? <laughs> like, do lawyers have a way of convincing their players to play in a way? I don't know. But this yeah. guy, this guy gets, gets it, and that's why I love him. And I think he's going to lead this team to the promised land. Th- this is my Stanley Cup pick as Ooh of today. God, and and I'm and I'm cheering for them all the way there. I'm I'm watching all the media scrums. I've been watching. I watched some of the game against Montreal yesterday. I'm I'm just super excited about the situation, and I'm so glad he's back in the business because I mm. was a little I was a little depressed when he was out of the business, you know, and when he was out, and it was a great story. He was he was in Florida with his family at a resort. He got a call from the Vegas GM. And they said, Pete, get up here to Ottawa. We want you to coach the team. It was a great story. And it caught him off guard. Wow. He flew there with no clothes. He had nothing. <laughs> and, and he quickly set up and, and, and got going. So wow! Um, a super great story. And if there's one thing I'll say negatively about this, and you won't find me criticizing DeBoer often, it's that I, I don't really like what he's been saying of late. I, I like don't let's not get mistaken. This was a big rivalry. The, this was the biggest rivalry in the NHL. People like you won't want to admit that, but That's, Vegas Vegas and San Jose was the, was a big rivalry. And, baloney. And, and, and and one guy was calling it one guy a clown. the other guy was calling the other guy something else. The verbiage between Joe Thornton and Ryan Reeves, like this this was a big deal. Vander Kane and Ryan Reeves, this this was a big deal. And, and and you'd never find these guys saying something nice about the opposition. And all of a sudden, I'm watching these press conferences with this Pete DeBoer, and he's saying this stuff like, well, I'm just happy to be here. This is a high-character team. You look at the the dressing room here. These are high-character guys. Or I like our our four-line attack. These these guys are great. And he's just sucking off all these players. And I'm like, where's this coming from? Like, as a San Jose Sharks fan, I'm like, this was your arch nemesis. And now, like, you've turned coat. And like you're boosting all these guys, like you're boosting Mark Stone. Like, you have to. I guess, but like (laughs) it's
1: kind of a snake move. It's not. This is his new team. This is his new team for many years. But it's so different. I know you're not used to it. I just don't like.
0: I don't like hearing this. He's Mr. San Jose Sharks, and, and now he's like, he's, like, boosting this team. And, like, he, he kept saying, oh, I hate playing in Vegas. That arena sucks. And now he's like, we got the best fans on the business. <laughs> like, we? You're not – like, you're not – no, you just got here two days ago, and you're, you're saying You're too we. invested
1: in this man's life. It's just stupid. People – no one finds this weird except for you. Yes, on I TSN, they
0: were saying it was – like, Ray Ferraro was like, this is kind of weird. How this guy was coaching the, the arch nemesis and now he's on this team. It's just weird. It's cringy. That's exactly what it is. I'm cringing every moment during this tenure.
1: For those who are invested in that, uh, those two teams, maybe it yeah, is.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like, but I, I, every,
1: everybody in San Jose, all those Shark Take fans, they're, they're, they're mind boggled right now. In my mind, this is exactly what I want him to be saying as a Vegas fan. I want him to say all these things. Tell me what you think of the team. I love the team. Great, let's go. I don't like that. Let's get going here. I don't like that, but that's a <laughs> lawyer
0: for you. He'll turn coat whenever he feels like it, and he'll yeah. be sneaky. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Pete DeBoer's tenure, it's off to a one-in-one start, and, uh, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, with that said, I think we've covered everything. Kyle, what do you think? I think we've covered everything. Okay. Um, yeah, with that said, sorry again for the late episode. Uh, we, we got caught up in our hiatus here right. in all the coverage. But uh, we're happy we're able to get you a quality product here with, with Kyle's mock and, and the CHL game and the World Juniors um, and, and all the other stuff. So thank you for listening once again. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with, with what I'm sure will be some all the fallout from All-Star Weekend. Um, they've, they've been doing some weird stuff, like having players shoot pucks from the 500 level. Uh, they're going to have a, a three-on-three all-women's game so, I mean, Kyle's just taken back by all this news. He didn't even know any of this. Until no, I, I knew just the meant. women's
1: game. I didn't know the standings <laughs> thing. It's like, yeah, what they're the having, Yeah,
0: Flurry's shooting pucks from the 500 level. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do this. And and what, what crazy bullshit will Pierre be up to this All-Star weekend? So, all that fallout will be provided to us next weekend. I'm sure we'll have the coverage for you guys. <sighs> and uh, until then, thank you again for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, Rink Moose is signing off.